You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. On this episode, we are talking about the new book, Perfect Warriors. And it is my privilege to welcome into the podcast the author of that book and director of broadcast services for Purdue Athletics, Corey Palm. Corey, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Great, Adam. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for uh, taking the time to come on. I'm excited. I've gotten to start reading this book. I'm excited. It's, it's so it's so good. And so I'm excited to talk about it and all, of course, other things that you do as well. And uh, uh, we'll get into the book here in just a minute. But just for our listeners or viewers who don't know who you are, kind of introduce yourself, where you came from and how you ended up at Purdue and the role you're at. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so like you said, my title, Director of Broadcast Services, uh, that is the the current iteration of what I do. I I started out, uh, came to Purdue in 04, got here just in time for Kyle Orton's uh, 2004 uh, season, which started great, and we won't talk about how it ended. Uh, um, ended up uh, going to grad school and, and graduating here and then hiring right on as a video producer uh, here at Athletics. Um, morphed into the Big Ten Network liaison. And uh, now I'm, I'm kind of the live streaming guy okay. for Purdue Athletics. Uh, if you've watched an event either on Facebook or on BTN Plus, I'm supposed to call it Big Ten Plus now, um, I've got a hand in that. So that is, uh, that is who I am. I've been on staff since 2008. Wow. So that world, as, as you know, has changed dramatically <laughs> in, in that time. Uh, it's ever evolving and, and always a fun, fun day when you show up not knowing what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, certainly a lot going on, especially nowadays with everything being live stream. And of course, you know, COVID the last couple of years, a lot of things became virtual and stuff. So I'm sure you've been extremely busy trying to get all this stuff out. And of course, as we know, the last, especially the last couple of years, um, yeah, Purdue sports in general have just been, you know, very interesting across the board, not just, you know, one sport here or there, but across the board. So I'm sure that's kept you extra busy in promoting all the sports going on right now. Definitely. It's been fun to have a front, uh, you know, a press box seat at, at soccer for the NCAA run and, and volleyball, getting to know, getting to know that team pretty well, wrestling, uh, you know, baseball, softball, everybody's, everybody's doing really well. And uh, it, it's really cool to, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of days spent in a, 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 at a ballpark or an arena, but uh, totally worth it. Yeah, I was say, nothing wrong with that. That sounds like a, pretty much a dream job there. <laughs> For sure. That's awesome. And you, you mentioned wrestling. Uh, you're, of course, on the Full Steam Ahead podcast, but you're a part of that, prog- uh, the Always Aggressive podcast as well. Talk about that. That's right. Uh, that's with uh, head coach on the wrestling side, Tony Ursland. We, uh, we do regular podcast, uh, pretty good, pretty good viewership and listenership, you know, just talking about his team and, and sort of the sport in general wrestling's uh, it's got a very, uh, a very passionate fan base. So it's been fun to tap into that a little bit, get some luminaries in that, in that world and, and chat things over. Uh, I've also taken on the job of hosting uh, the, the dig city podcast with volleyball coach Dave Shondell this past season. So yeah, just sort of branching out to pod podcasts are a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a cool creative thing that, uh, you find your niche and, and you just go with it. That's awesome, man. You're so right. This has just been a fun night. Started this podcast in May of 2019. It's just been a fun creative outlet to just be able to, to promote the Purdue brand and just talk Purdue with other people. So yes, you're right. It's been so much fun. And that's awesome. You're getting, to, you're getting to do that with two uh, just fantastic, phenomenal coaches and Coach Ursuline for uh, wrestling and uh, of course, Coach Shondell for volleyball. So that's awesome. And you get to do that. And of course, uh, Tanner's, uh, Tanner Lips at uh, involved with the uh, uh, wrestling one as well. So 
That is cool, man. I'm glad you get to, to do that outlet as well. It's, it's such a fun thing to do. For sure. Well, let's talk about the book. Again, the book is Perfect Warriors. I can't wait to finish reading it, and then it'll become a permanent fixture here in the uh, the podcast room. Of course, I might have to make other people read it as well. But uh, let's talk about the book, uh, how you first uh, became aware of Tony Bukovic and the 1943 team. So uh, I was a graduate student worker in the communications office, and uh, Corey Sheets was, was closing in on a single-season touchdown record um, near the end of his career. Uh, as I was doing research and, and figuring out, okay, when's he on pace to break this? Whose record is he breaking? He was trying to surpass Leroy Keyes. Everybody knows Leroy Keyes. And Mike Allstott was also on the list. Everybody knows Mike Allstott. And then I saw, you know, number two on the list at the time was Tony Bukovic. And it was somebody I'd never heard of. And I thought it was pretty strange, you know, this list of, of people that are luminaries in college football and beyond. And then this guy who I'd never heard of as a lifelong college football fan. So I started digging into Tony's story a little bit. It, it, it clicked with me before I dug too far that, well, this was 1943. So that is World War II era. I wonder if it's related. Sure enough, it was. Um, you know, I found out and I'm not, you know, no, no spoiler alerts here. It's, <laughs> it's, it's history. It's been known for about 80 years. Uh, the reason Tony was in the record books for one season was because he only played one year at Purdue. Um, he transferred here from Illinois and did not get to use his final year of eligibility because he died in, in battle. Um, and just the more I read about him, okay, so that's really fascinating. Uh, this team was transfers from around the Midwest and around the country for, you know, officer training. Wow, that's really fascinating. And, you know, every layer you peeled away, there were six more interesting things. And it, I just, it, it kind of consumed me. It became a research project to help me finish grad school. Um, and then it sat on a shelf for a while because, you know, the world, the world gets busy and you, you, you become a full-time employee instead of a graduate student and you don't have time for creative things yeah. necessarily. Yeah. So, so it sat on a shelf for a while, but that's kind of how I became aware of Tony and that, that team. That's awesome. And uh, before the book, am I correct? It was a documentary that uh, ended up airing on the Big Ten Network, right? It did. It did. Actually, um, this was 2017, 18. I had some shifting job responsibilities that freed up some time to do creative things. And I started looking in our video archives, which had recently be, been digitized and found a couple of games from that season, which is amazing to me. And I thought, well, we played nine opponents that year. If I could round up three or four game films from, from different schools, maybe I'd have enough footage to, uh, to piece something together. Um, sure enough, I had a film from Marquette, got one from Wisconsin, which if you know, that's chapter one in the book, we've got that game film. So I'm able to verify everything that is in that book. You can, you can watch it. It's amazing. Um, and then got the game film from Illinois, which was a kind of a miracle because we played that game here at Ross Aid but Illinois actually had the film in their library archives. So, you know, I rounded up about five games worth from that season. And then I hit up our, uh, our uh, campus video production folks and they had footage from the forties as well. And that sort of came together. I contacted the network and said, are you interested? They said, absolutely. So I got a hold of Rob Blackman, who's been a friend for a long time, the voice of, you know, Purdue basketball and, and a sometimes big 10 network, uh, personality and had him voice the the documentary and 
yeah, it's aired a dozen times or so, but but who's counting? It was a, a really big moment to to see all that work come to life. And yet it was limiting because, you know, it was a half hour show and there's so much more to the story yeah. than, than I could cram into those 24 minutes. So um, it just kept growing. And that's that's sort of where the book came in. That's awesome. Yeah, I was amazed at how much you could fit into a short documentary like that. And then uh, just from what I've read so far in the book, uh, how much more deeper it goes. It's just it's so compelling. And, you know, I was telling you before, I haven't got a chance to get too far yet and just but. And the other mistake I'm making is reading this right before I go to bed. So I'm falling asleep, but so I got I to read this in the middle of the day. But it is so it is so compelling. And how deep and just uh, like, again, a part of history that, you know, you know, yeah, we're familiar. That's the World War II era. But all the things that kind of went into that and how all how Purdue played such a big role in all that. I was kind of uh, um, laughing as I was reading this a little bit, talking about how all these players came to Purdue from uh Illinois and, and Missouri and all over the country it kind of and you know and we're living in this world of 2022 where the transfer transfer portals nuts it kind of almost made me think of like it was the original ever the original transfer portal <laughs> <laughs> exactly short-lived very specific but that's that's 100 true I hadn't thought of it like that that's that's good that's awesome well and, and then uh of course I'm glad you mentioned Rob Blackman it's just a fantastic voice I love listening to Rob on the radio and uh so that's cool that he got to become a part of that. The first, the first word I heard of the documentary, I was like, yep, that's Rob Blackman. So that's, right. that's awesome that he got to do it. So from the documentary, um, does that inspire you to now write the book since, you know, like you mentioned, the documentary is a shorter version of it? Basically, yeah. Uh, yes. Um, the, the more I kept, the more I looked into the story and filled it out for the script of the doc, um, the more I uncovered that, you know, it's history. People know it, but at some point in time, people knew it. Nowadays, people just don't know it. Um, and it was just stuff that couldn't make the final cut. And so that's that's fine. And like I said, I it, it sat on the shelf for a few years. And then um, we all had a lot of downtime a couple of years ago with, with the COVID lockdown and, um, you know, different forced time off and there's no games. So what are we doing? Well, I said, you know, Corey, you can sit around and play video games or clean the house. And one of those is a lot of fun. One of those is not a lot of fun. Um, or you can write this book. You know, it's sitting here. It's staring you in the face. Uh, you've got the research. It's, it's just a matter of buckling down and doing it. So it really helped me pass the time um, for that. And structurally, you know, I, I had a structure that made a lot of sense. I mapped that out and tried to figure out, okay, where can I include the university part? Where can I, how do I tell the story from the Navy's perspective and, and why this program was necessary? And then nine games. So that's nine chapters, do a chapter for each game. And as you uncover the story of each game, you find, you know, little side bits. My favorite side bit that I had no idea uh, because of the war, the Cleveland Indians did spring training on, uh, on campus at Purdue in the early forties. Well, the, the, the Indians were in the field house, which was still pretty new. Lambert Fieldhouse is what it became and sharing practice space with the football team, which is kind of wild to me. And it just so happened that that fall, the football team played at Cleveland Stadium against Ohio State, which is the only time they ever played there. It happened. You know, it's just a little connection. Um, and it, it's a fun story. It's a, it's a neat piece. Um, some of the people that I work with are, 35 or 40 year historians of Purdue athletics. And that was a piece that they didn't even know. 
uh, put those put those facts together and it fills out the the picture more completely. Uh, so that was that was really cool and that took me through you know um, took me through really carried me through COVID. This this uh, this project helped me in many ways, wow. you know, to to cope and to stay focused. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. So the writing part. Of- about a two-year project sounds like, but it sounds like it was about 18 years in the making since you're- It really uh, was, yeah. <laughs> no, that's really cool. I'm glad you did it because again, as we were talking a little chat before we started recording here, just, you know, I, I was confessing, you know, history wasn't my strongest subject in school. Right. And, uh, you know, my brother, who's a history teacher would, you know, you know, knock me for that. But I love this because, you know, it's, yes, it's about, you know, the 1943 team and football, but it's so much- about history as well and so that makes it just so compelling and it's a great for people like me to to bring those two worlds together to just uh, to draw the two and it is, it's so compelling so i uh, you know thank you for writing this I, i'm so excited to to finish it and uh just to learn more of stuff i didn't even know so yeah thank you for that well um talking the forward i should mention the forward was written by uh, ryan kerrigan talk about how he got involved sure um so when i was I was working with a publisher and they said it'd be really helpful if you got uh, someone to write it forward, someone prominent, you know, in, in that world. And the deal with the publisher ended up not working out, but I thought the forward sounded like a good idea. So I sat down and I made a top five list. Um, and number one was, was Drew Brees, of course. He's everybody's number one, right? Uh, but number two was Ryan Kerrigan. And I thought, well, Kerrigan is, uh, he's a, a beloved figure by our fan base. He's also a friend of mine. Um, we, we go back to his playing days here. He actually job shadowed me as a freshman, which was a fun, fun thing back in the, or the early aughts. Um, so I know I've known Ryan for a while. I reached out to him. I sent him what I had at the time and he's like, oh man, absolutely. This is great. I'd love to be a part of it. So we, we worked together on that and, uh, you know, he sent me a first draft. I, I, clean it up a little bit, set it back to him. He's like, yeah, I, I, I want to add this too. And so, so we got, you know, a, a couple more paragraphs added and, and uh, very appreciative uh, of him wanting to be a part of this project. You know, he's, I, I sent him a copy early on, you know, of the, of the finished product. And uh, I'm eager to see what his next move is. I'd, I'd like to see him land with my Packers, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. That's, that's a whole nother story, a whole nother <laughs> conversation with him. But, but yeah, it's been great to have, you know, buy-in from him and, and his eagerness to, he's always appreciated the heck out of sports history and, and really valued um, everybody that, you know, set the stage for, for the world he played in both here and, and at the NFL level. So it seemed like a, a real natural fit. That's, that's, uh, man, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Ryan was such a great uh, guy for Purdue and, and part of that de- den of defensive ends. And we were fortunate to get him out of, pluck him out of Muncie and go to Ball State. So uh, <laughs> it was great watching him. Is that his jersey there behind you? That is, yeah. That's one of his game worn jerseys. Uh, I've got, i got to move the right way here. Oh, the wrong way. There we go. Uh, that's artwork that used to hang at one of our coaches' shows that uh, made its way to my wall, too. So, so cool. I'm, I'm a big fan of his, and uh, it was it's so cool whenever I get a chance to, to chat with him and, and that he wanted to be a part of this, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, he's done such a, a great job on and off the field. So mm-hmm. great ambassador for, uh, for Purdue. Um, kind of talk about, again, we don't want you know give away too much more of the book itself, but just talk about why this team, this season, this era of Purdue football, and of course the history there is just so important. Well, it's the sad to say, unfortunate to say, it's the last undefeated team we had. 
Um, that team, you know, they went they went nine and zero. One of the most amazing things about that story was their the the squad was made up of of mostly transfers. Some of whom, some of whom, about a third of the travel roster got called to active duty with two weeks left in the season. So it was a ragtag group of of inexperienced guys trying to close out the the perfect season, and they did very dramatic fashion. Those are that's a bit later in the book. You'll really enjoy those stories. The game at Minnesota, the game at Indiana, um, <clears throat> the fantastic stories in the in and of themselves. But you know that team so specific, so unique. And to my money, I'm just, I'm just a guy, but a real legit claim to the national championship that year. Uh, I think it's pretty absurd that they didn't get recognized in some facet for the national title that year. They were the only undefeated team in the country. Uh, by the time the season was over, they opened the year with a win over the team that beat Notre Dame in the final week of the season. But the Irish got the national championship anyway, because that's how football worked in the 40s. Um, you know, I thought Butkovich had a, a real claim on the Heisman Trophy. Of course, that went to Angelo Bertelli from Notre Dame. Uh, it, it's, it's one of those things that Purdue fans are going to recognize, you know, some of that bias when they read that. But it's also something they can be really proud of. Um, you know, this team came together in, in the best way possible. It shows a, a style of football that, it's kind of a bygone era, um, but also, you know, that these guys who were on campus for five months, less than five months, really bought into this place. And a lot of whom, when they came back from the war, considered returning here um, as opposed to going on to or going back to their original schools. Um, so it, it, you know, it's something Purdue fans can be proud of. It's a story that I didn't know. It's a story I know a lot of people that I've talked to are unaware of. And the more they learn of it, the, the more it's going to really seem like a Boilermaker story to them. For yeah, sure. for, yeah, I agree 100%. I didn't know much about it until you had reached out to me about the books. And so yeah, this is so awesome. I just learned so much myself, even as a, yeah. a new guy as well. I, I'm glad you mentioned that one of the things that you know I've learned so far from reading and watching the documentary is, yeah, we finished number four. So it wasn't even that we didn't get recognized as a national champion, that Vukovic didn't win the uh heisman we didn't even finish number two we finished number four <laughs> yep it, it was it was crazy it's uh you know as you go through week by week you can see how poll manipulation used to work uh we went from number two after we beat wisconsin um to to number four uh, basically because the associated press wanted to set up a one versus two showdown between uh notre dame and iowa pre-flight which was another a military-based team out in Iowa City at the that that season, you know they moved pre-flight from six to two the week they were going to play Notre Dame, completely unjustified. Um, but it was a really good game, so they kept pre-flight, you know, top two, top three. This is ridiculous. Yeah, you know, just looking at it with with eyes that are eighty years, you know, eighty years in the rearview mirror, it's ridiculous the way college football used to be. Anybody who thinks that things are crazy now. Has, no idea the history of this game. <laughs> our, our disdain for Notre Dame goes a long way back to us. <laughs> yes, it does. The other cool thing about this, and I don't think this is giving away anything uh, too revealing from the book that I, I learned from uh, the documentary as well as uh, the game against Illinois was the first of the, the Cannon Trophy. That was cool how that, and that got started that year as well. That was, yep. The, the, the Cannon got uh, started. That It was the first time the two teams had played in over a decade just from a, squirt, a quirk of scheduling. 
Um, and then, you know, 12 members of the Purdue team were former Fighting Illini players, including, you know, three or four of the best ones. Uh, but yeah, the, the cannon was introduced uh, as a traveling trophy at halftime, the two ADs and, and the young man from Milford, Illinois, that had originally stolen the cannon uh, back in the, in the 19 teens, uh, the early 1900s, and, and then decided to donate it back to, to the schools as a trophy. So just one of those only football stories for yeah. sure. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about, you know, so people will buy this book and help you out here. Uh, talk about where people can find uh, Perfect Warriors. For sure. It is available in the, in the Lafayette area um, at the University Bookstore here uh, near campus if you're near campus uh, for anything it's it's available there it's also um, available on Amazon if you search perfect warriors or Corey Palm uh, it'll come up there for sure um, and then I'm actually doing a, uh, a signing here coming up at the end of the month at the Purdue memorabilia show here in town at the at the four seasons there'll be more information on social about that but uh, if you know you can purchase the book from me that day and uh, have it signed, personalized. And, and also if, if you can't make it that day and would like a personalized copy, you can hit me up you know, specifically either on Twitter or via email to, to get a signed copy uh, sent your way. We'll work that out. Awesome, well, keep me apprised of those details of that event so I can continue to push that out on, on social media for you. For sure. um, and I just, you know, again, this is, I just, it's just so fascinating, I love this. And uh, I was gonna ask you too, I, I know this was a, two to 18 year project in the works, but any other projects now on the mind that you, now that you've completed this? Actually, uh, you know, once you learn how to do something, <laughs> it becomes a dangerous thing. Um, I, I do, my next project I'm, I'm in the middle of, um, we're coming up on the 100 year anniversary of Ross 8 Stadium. Uh, that's in, in uh, that'll be in 2024. And so I'm doing a Ross Age Stadium 100 years, 100 games uh, project where I'm, I'm going through history and I'm doing, you know, little three to 500 word recaps on the top 100 games in stadium history. Um, I'm not going to rank order them because that is a dangerous game to get into. I may, I may give my top 10, my personal top 10. I may, you know, open some debate, but uh, that's a, that's a, I've had some discussions with friends and it's just like, nope, you, we, we can't do this. You know, it, it's, it's going to cause nothing but problems. Yeah. So uh, look for that in uh, 2024, that, that, that book will hopefully be out uh, about halfway through it. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I look forward to that uh, before I let you go, then I, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on, uh, I'm going to put you on the hook here. Do you, a quick, maybe top three of your favorite, I'm just curious, your maybe top three favorite games uh, yep. that you can remember from Rossade. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, that I can remember, obviously, the, the Tyler Trent game is, is a no-brainer. Um, anybody who was there that night or, or knows anything about that night, that's, a, that's an easy call. Um, from my time here, uh, I, was, I was at Joe Tiller's final game in 2008 where uh, he exercised a lot of demons in that uh, beat down 500 and some yards passing and 63 to 10 maybe against <laughs> Indiana. And then the ceremony on the field was, was amazing. Um, one that I actually just wrote the recap of, um, I, not from my era, not from my lifetime actually, in 1969, uh, Mike Phipps versus Jim Plunkett, Stanford came here. And in the fourth quarter, Phipps on the last two drives, 
went five for five for 179 yards and two touchdowns and completed a two-point conversion with like less than a minute to go to win 36-35. Wow. And like somebody says, oh, it's got to be the Tyler Trent game. Well, maybe, but it might be Phipps versus Plunkett in 69. That is an unbelievable game. I can't imagine what the stadium was like that day. Kidding. Wow. So that's awesome. Yeah. Of course, I don't know how what capacity was that. That was the other funny thing I found uh, from this too. Uh, uh, I forget which game it was, but it was uh, maybe that was the Illinois game. That was a sellout of what two thousand plus or something, or ten thousand, <laughs> some something really small. And it's like crazy to think about that was a sellout in that era. <laughs> yes, much much different uh, stadium back. Yeah, you know, just eighty years ago for sure. That's awesome. Well, before I forget, anybody who's watching this online or even listening to the podcast, they can go to the website. I will provide links uh, to uh, where you can find this book online to order. Or again, as uh, that information becomes available, I'll push to Corey's event there at the end of the month so people can get a chance to meet Corey and get the book signed or buy it there. And of course, and I'll also provide some links to that documentary well, as well. That's just awesome. such a fascinating thing. Again, you mentioned finding that archive footage from 80 years ago. That's incredible that any of that stuff even exist, let alone to be able to find as much as you did. And just seeing the, the, the campus shots as well from that time, yeah. it's just really neat as well. So I was uh, giddy when I ran across that, uh, that, that, that footage, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Oh man, I'm so glad you put this together. It's really neat. Uh, Corey, as we're wrapping up, anything else you want to add? Um, no, I don't think so. Just again, thanks for the time. I hope people really enjoy the story. Uh, watch the documentary for sure, but, but be like me when I, when, when I was in high school and needed to read a book, I watched the movie instead. Um, there's a lot more to the book, and uh, it will be certainly rewarding. Makes uh, you know, enjoy yourself. Buy it for a friend who who uh, who may be into Purdue University, the Boilermakers, you know, Purdue football, and and of course World War II history. It's kind of a it's kind of a sweet spot for the guys I know. Uh, but uh, but it, it's a fascinating tale. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like I said, I haven't even got through it yet, but I'm just loving it so far. And you just, you mentioned it earlier, just all the little tidbits too that aren't in the documentary and just peel back the layers of everything that was going on in that time and how this all came together too. It's just so fascinating. So yeah, I certainly encourage you guys to read this. Look, my brother's an IU grad, but he loves history. So I know I'm putting him on the spot, but I know my brother will even uh, love this book because of the, the history connection there. So I'm going to make sure he gets it. <laughs> You might actually hear the name Tony Bukovic uh, going forward too. Um, at one point in my research process, uh, uh, somebody reached out to me on behalf of Buzz Bissinger, who uh, wrote Friday Night Lights, Pulitzer Prize winning author, um, he helped create the movie and the, and the TV show. Um, but is in the middle of writing a book on the 19, 1943 football, uh, a game called the Mosquito Bowl, which was played between two Marine Corps units um, in the South Pacific in, uh, well, late 1944. And uh, Tony Bukovic was one of the stars of that game, as you would expect. And he's one of the main characters, one of the main focus character, I guess, in a non-fiction book of, of Buzz's book. So uh, that, that thing is due out uh, later this summer. You might, you might hear elements of, of this and that and vice versa. So, you know, help fill out the picture uh, for, for you if you're a real college football historian or love World War II history. That's awesome, man. Corey, thank you for sharing that. Well, man, Corey, it's been such a blast having you on the podcast and, and talking about your book and, and Purdue sports in general. And 
uh, look forward to maybe having you on again in the future, especially uh, when this next project comes together. Sounds great, Adam. Thank you so much. Take care and boiler up. Boiler up. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod. And you can always listen to, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and tune in. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.